0: Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Good morning, Christ Community Church. Come on, you can do better than that. It's, it's going to be a nice day. I love this time of year. Good morning, Christ Community Church. Ah, much gooder. Well, <clears throat> I will try my best um, to get through this sermon. You can hear my voice is a little, a little raspy. I've had, um, it is that time of year, even though I love this time of year, every, ever since I was a kid, I've had allergy and sinus problems, and boy, did it hit me this weekend. And so, and, and this, is, this is where, I've had, you know, sinus and allergy problems my whole life, but not until I hit 50 did I get the dry eyes. Where does that come from? Is that just a getting older thing? Where do the dry eyes come from? And here's the, here's the, the bad thing about that. I can't do the Visine because I got an eye thing. I just have this weird thing about anything being near my eyes. Maybe because I've seen too many scary movies. And you literally, like, if you ever been to the optometrist and had an eye test? Have you ever had the puffer test? Right, where they puff into your eye? My wife has to push my head against the thing and hold it there. Because I will flinch every single time. I can't stand anything near my eyes. And, uh, and then on top of that, my wife, you know, she travels a lot. She's gone again. She's in Florida right now. She gets back late tomorrow night. Then she turns around on Tuesday and goes to Columbus for a conference for, for another week. And, um, and so she's the only one who can, who can do it, I think. I think the only way I'm going to deal with this dry eye thing is have her literally hold my eye open and just squirt the visine in so that I can actually see, because it's just weird. I had somebody come to my door the other day, and I had the dry eye thing going, and I'm blinking like, I think the guy at the door, he was just out as a political thing. I think the guy at the door thought I was, like, signaling that I was being held hostage because I was just going like this, you know, and, uh, uh, oh, that stuff's that's miserable. But I love this time of year, and um, a, a couple of things before we get going. Once, uh, first, my uh, mother threatened me with this. Uh, Thanksgiving dinner tickets are on sale for five bucks out there, be sure to grab one. We'll have uh, dinner um, and we, the reason we sell tickets to it is, is one to kind of just almost break even, but also um, it's just so Dave literal knows how much food to fix. You know, if we don't, we can't just guess at that. We gotta have a account. So please get your tickets. Um, the only thing I do with those things is, you know, we come together and we have a meal, we have a time of worship, and then we play a stupid game, and that's my entire gig is to, is to play the, the host of the game and come up with a stupid game, and I've got one. Um, so that'll happen. Um, a couple things to be praying about. I would appreciate prayers because I have been on top of Megan traveling and the sinus stuff. I have just been swamped. I have to leave immediately when I'm done. Go home. Have a paper due at 5 o'clock. Have a 40-minute presentation tomorrow night for my Ph.D. program. But more importantly, when it comes to prayers, be sure to be looking at your bulletin. Take the bulletin home with you. Be praying over that, the folks in there. Um, uh, People who go on Saturday night have noticed Ralph has not been here. Um, Ralph Clay is, you know, turned 84 on Friday, and he has pneumonia. So be praying for Ralph. Um, I talked to him briefly on Friday. He said he was feeling a little bit better, though he said this is not how I wanted to celebrate my 84th birthday, and I don't blame him. So keep all that stuff in prayer. Uh, be sure to pay attention to your bulletins. because we We've got all kinds of stuff going on. I've got a small group that I lead on Tuesday night, so all kinds of stuff. All right. Now, because I've been swamped, because I don't feel good, because I've got about two hours sleep because I was hacking all night, the sermon may stink, but it will be short. No amens, Gary. So, here's the deal. We're in the gospel project. We're looking at Numbers 21. Now, if you're anything like me, and I don't assume that you are, but I know that for me, when I first became a Christian in 1997, I thought it would be a really good idea to read the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation. Just read through it. Now, when people come up to me and ask you know, if they're a new Christian, they've got their first Bible, and they say, should I just so I start in Genesis 1, right? I say, no. Don't do that. Because here's what's going to happen. If you make it through Genesis, you get to Exodus... You get to Exodus, and there's like chapter after chapter on the design for the tabernacle. And then you get to Leviticus, and then you get to Numbers, you'll check out. I right, said, so Go to the Gospel of John. Go, start with the Gospel. So, you didn't, trust me, you're, you're going to check out. And so I know not a lot of people have spent a lot of time in the Old Testament. But. You need to, as a Christian, if you are a Christian, you need to understand the proper context and role of the Old Testament. Because if you don't, you'll get it wrong. You'll just get it wrong. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a name that you should all know. Uh, Most Christians don't, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a true Christian martyr he was a minister in uh germany in the 1930s and 40s he stood up to adolf hitler and as a result he was executed he was he was literally taken naked out of a jail cell and strung up with piano wire and yet while he was being taken to his death he was singing hymns to god dietrich bonhoeffer is somebody you should pay attention to and he he has this saying it's a paraphrase But he says that if you get on the wrong train, it doesn't matter how hard you run in the opposite direction. You're not going to get to where you need to get. If you don't understand the Old Testament and what it's there for, you will go off course. You won't understand the faith. And it took me a long time to get there to really understand what the Old Testament is about and what indeed the Christian faith is about. I I went through seminary and graduated. Seminary is a 90-hour graduate degree, a year of Greek, a year of Hebrew, all this church history, all this stuff, to get through this, and I, I still did not have a proper understanding of the Christian faith or the Old Testament. Here's what you need to understand about the Old Testament. The Old Testament is teaching us a couple things. First, we stink. That we are sinners. Two, that it's all about Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself says this in John 5, 39. Jesus tells the Jewish leaders, he says, you search the scriptures, but you don't understand the scriptures point to me. And when he is saying that, there is no New Testament. So what's he talking about? He's talking about the Old Testament. And that's how you have to read the Old Testament. Is how does it point to Jesus Christ? And how does it point to our conditions as sinful human beings? Yeah. To understand the Christian faith, you have to understand the basics. Now, I could, I, I could choose like a dozen things here. I just chose three. Here's the three things you need to understand about the christian faith to get it right to understand it for yourself and to be able to share it with others and the first one is the toughest number one we are all sinners all of us romans 3:23. paul writes all all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god we are all sinners Now, people don't like to hear that. You hear this all the time. You hear this from friends, right? Oh, well, he's such and such. He's a good guy. By what standard? By your standard or God's standard? Because you're not sitting on the throne on Judgment Day. God is. The way sin is presented in the Bible is that the moment you sin, one sin, you have committed an act of cosmic treason. You are a traitor. And if you know anything about the military, what is the penalty for treason? Death. That's what sin is. And all of you have sinned. I have sinned. I actually had a pleasant drive through New Boston today, so I haven't sinned badly yet. But there is the drive home. But we all have sinned, and we tend to try to write it off as, well, nobody's perfect. Well, everybody, okay, but from God's standard, from God's point of view, you have committed treason. You are a traitor. And though God loves you, God is also just. And God must uphold his standard. See, the problem that we have when we struggle through Scripture is we tend to compare it to our own experience. So when we see that God loves us and and God is the Father and, and we are his children and so forth, we tend to think that God will treat us As our parents treated us. And the problem with that is, no parent, when it comes to their child, is just. They're all merciful. Right? You've been a parent, you know, you've had this, you have said this, you have done this. You have looked at your child and you have said, What were you thinking? And we've all had the instinct that Mark Twain has. It's like when kids become teenagers, you know, Mark Twain said, when, when kids are born, put them in a barrel and feed them through a hole. And when they become teenagers, plug up the hole. And we've all had that kind of instinct, but we don't do it. We, we, we cover for our kids. We make excuses for our kids. We fight for our kids, especially mamas, Right? I've said it before, I'll say it again. There are three levels. There is coward, there is hero, there is mama. Right? But child is threatened, what a mother will do. But God is different. He loves you more perfectly than your parents do, but he is also just, and he will hold you to his standard. And his standard is Holiness righteousness, which none of us have. We, we don't have it. And you can't earn it. You can sit there and you can tell, tell, but Matt, Matt, I come to church once every three or four weeks. I occasionally throw a, a check in the, you know, in the back there. I don't cheat on my spouse, I pay my taxes. He's telling me you're sinless? You're telling me you're holy? You're telling me you're righteous? You're not. And you're just it's, it's like, let's go back to the military analogy for just a second. Let's say that you're a soldier and you're in Afghanistan and you sell secrets to the enemy and the army finds out that you have committed this treason you cannot then negotiate with them you can't go oh okay okay my bad screwed up gave info to the enemy but how about i just i i I just dig latrines for a month and we'll call it even the answer is no this is a firing squad And this is even more serious than that. We are all sinners. We all deserve hell. And I know nobody wants to hear that. But you can become a Pharisee real quick if you don't understand that. Real quick. If you don't understand that you are a sinner, you will get the Christian faith wrong You will either become a legalist Pharisee or you'll become in Anything Goes. You have to understand you are a sinner and I have struggled with this myself. This, I have had two major health scares in my life. The first one brought me to Christ in 1997. The second one really showed me how I stood with Christ. In 2012, I had a series of surgeries and painful wound treatment. It was awful. It was awful. I spent literally a year lying on my stomach, not being able to do a thing. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but especially because I, I don't, this is the only time I've ever done this. Have you ever watched daytime TV? It stinks. I mean, I'm glad our buddy Dale King was on the Kelly Clarkson show, but most of those shows stink. Who watches The View? Honestly. You know, if I wanted to watch just women argue, I'd just go hang out in Kroger for now. I mean, goodness sake. I, but I would sit there, and I'm laying on my stomach, and I remember how angry I was and I was angry at God I was like hold on a second I give up my life in politics because I used to work in politics I was working on Capitol Hill I gave that up I go to seminary live in a roach infested one bedroom apartment in Abilene Texas where it's 120 degrees even at this time of year And I sweat when it's 73 degrees. And I go do this, and I study my behind off, and I go work in churches for free, and then I plant a church where I'm forking out money to keep it going, and you do this to me. You put a halt to all of that. I'm serving you. What? I deserve... Oops. It hit me as soon as I said but I deserve and God made it very clear, Matt. Do you really want what you deserve? Uh, no. I get it though. I understand where you're coming from. We get so fixated on the here and now, on this life, we lose track of the big picture. You know, I honestly cannot (laughs) stomach most TV preachers. because they stand there and they preach with a big smile on their face and three thousand dollar suits and what they preach is self-help and it's how great you are and all this other kind of nonsense with all due respect the christian faith is very clear your best life is not now this life is struggle. This life is temptation. This life is hardship. When Jesus returns, that's your best life. To be with Jesus Christ, that is what life is all about. But to get there, the first thing to do is to admit to look yourself in the mirror and admit, I am a sinner. I have committed treason against God. I do not deserve mercy. I cannot save myself. God hates sin. We need a Savior. And the other thing people struggle with, and I know that you've probably dealt with if you've ever tried to share your faith, is the only way to salvation is through Jesus Christ. And people don't want to hear that. They want to hear, but but my buddy Mike, Mike's a good guy. Okay, he doesn't believe in Christ. He's, he's kind of into Buddhism. He's kind of, a, so, you know, but he's a good guy. I tell him, I said, look, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So either Jesus was telling the truth, or he was lying, or he was crazy. You tell me which. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is only faith in Jesus Christ that will save you. The entire Old Testament teaches us. We are sinners and we need a Savior. And Jesus says, all that points to me. All of it points to me, including Numbers 21. Real quick, Numbers 21, 4 through 9. Get the context here. Israel has been saved from slavery in Egypt. God has brought them out. They are his people. But his pe- and he feeds them every day, literally feeds them every day, and watches over them. And how do they respond? They complain. Aren't you glad the people of God have matured so far beyond that? Numbers 21.4. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey. And they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There is nothing to eat here, nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. This is literally bread from heaven. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. And then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, make a replica of a poisoned snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to the pole. And anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. How does that point to Jesus Christ? Because the New Testament says it does. Here's how. God shows his wrath against the people's rebellion. Then he shows them mercy. And the mercy only requires for them to look. Now don't think of this as a magic trick. What is he asking for? Why is he asking them to look at the snake? He is asking them to look at the very means of God's wrath to understand what is going on to understand both God's justice and God's mercy. That's what they're doing by looking. What should we do when we look at the cross? The same thing. You need to understand that we've gotten so used to the cross. We see people wearing crucifixes everywhere. the scandal of the cross the cross was the meanest way of implement implementing capital punishment in the first century so the modern equivalent is if you saw somebody walking around with an electric chair dangling from their neck when we look at the cross what we should see is one We deserve to be there, but God poured out his wrath on his own son so that we have the opportunity to escape that wrath, to escape that judgment. When you look at the cross, the first thing you need to think of every day, and you need to preach the gospel to yourself every day, first thing you should do when you look at the cross is remind yourself, you belong there. You belong there. Not Christ. He took your punishment for your sin and then rose again to grant you his perfect life. Do you realize that the Bible teaches you will not be judged by your life if you're a Christian? You will be judged by Christ's life. Praise God. I don't want to be judged by my life. Five minutes in New Boston is going to send me to hell. But because I, came to fa- I just accepted the gift of faith... I became an adopted child of God. And I will be judged by his son's perfect life. You see, the road to legalism, which is not true Christianity, the road to legalism is, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that, I don't do this, I don't do that, therefore, I've earned salvation. What the Bible teaches is you've been given salvation. You do this, you do that, you don't do that, you don't do this out of gratitude for your salvation. It's out of worship and thankfulness. That's why you do those things. We can get it backwards if we don't see it. Martin Luther, the great reformer who helped bring the church back to the Bible, called this the great exchange. Jesus Christ gets what we deserve and we get what Jesus deserves. And because of that, Because of that, we seek to obey and to love each other, to worship God and God only. Do you see that? Do you see that? I have told people again and again and again, when people come to me and they say, you know, Matt, I I understand you, you... you say all the time, I need to share the gospel, I need to bring people, but I don't know how. And so I say, okay, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Get a Bible, a physical Bible, get 2 Corinthians 5.21, underline it, memorize it. It is the gospel in one verse. He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You unpack that, you understand the Christian faith. Do you get it? Do you get it? I worry. When I see stuff on Facebook, when I see the preachers on TV and YouTube, I worry. I'm 50 years old. Never thought I'd live to see 50. And at 50, especially when COVID hit and I packed on the COVID-19 and I started to worry But how much longer do I I have? I don't know if I have five years or 50. But I worry about, see, here's the big drawback to having the mic and being the preacher. I love what I do, but here's, here's the one thing. See, you guys will stand before God, and God will say to you, because of my son, welcome to my kingdom. The one, do you know what the one profession is that will be judged? Preachers. James says preachers will be judged for what they said. That scares the crap out of me. You wanna know why I sit with my laptop and, and with my Bible software open, going over sermon with a fine-tooth comb, there are two reasons I sit there with that laptop on my lap. One, I'm scared I'm going to say something wrong. Two, if I don't, Megan's demon puppies jump on my lap, and that hurts. Hey, a nine-pound dog, man, but when, it, when you're wearing sweatpants, it jumps on your lap. That's like dropping a dumbbell on there, okay? But I I, I go through it, and I go through it, and I go through it because I want you to understand this. We can sit and argue and fuss for weeks on end about free will, predestination, about when and how Jesus will return, and all this other kind of stuff. We can, Whether or not we should have this kind of church leadership or this church, whatever, we can argue about that all day long. But if you don't understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're not going to get any of it right. You may guess when Jesus is returning and how he's returning, but if you don't get the gospel right, who cares? This isn't an eternity with God or an eternity in hell. Those are the stakes. And you need to get it. And it all begins with going honestly before God and admitting you're a sinner. I've told this story once before. There's a book called Park Street Prophet that's worth reading. It's about the life of Harold jay Doctor Harold jay has an earned PhD in philosophy. He was he gave Billy Graham his start. Billy Graham wrote in his memoir that he never made. A serious decision without consulting Harold Ockenjay, that he felt that highly of him. Harold Ockenjay led thousands of people to Christ. When he was dying of cancer in the 80s, his church elders went to see him, and they all knew his time was short. And like me, he was worried. He was worried. He knew he was going to meet the Lord, and he was worried as a preacher what he, what he preached, what he taught. He, want, he he wanted to be accurate and faithful, and he didn't want to disappoint the Lord. And the elders tried to comfort him. They said, "But Harold, you've baptized thousands of people," and he just shook his head but Harold you introduced the world to Billy Graham and he shook his head this is how you know you've got it folks listen then an elder leaned forward took his hand and said Harold when you meet the master simply say Have mercy on me, a sinner. And Harold said, that's it. That's it. So easy. I know. It's so easy to get caught up in what's right in front of us and to get anxiety and depression and frustration and anger about the here and now. But the simple fact is, folks, the way to have peace, the way to keep life in true perspective, every day when you wake up, Lord, have mercy on me as sinner. Amen? All right. I know that the kids are still having class. I'm short, but I'm tired. (laughs) And my voice is about ready to go. So let's pray and get out of here. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, all of which points to your son. May we keep things in perspective. It's not about daily frustrations or aggravations or physical problems. It's that if anyone here has come to faith in Jesus Christ, they have an eternity with you. This life is the shortest part of eternity. This life is filled with troubles, hardship. Because of your son and the gift of faith, if we're willing to admit we're sinners and ask for forgiveness, you will grant it because you are just, but you are also merciful. May we live our lives in gratitude for that. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. All righty. Well, folks, i get to go home and write a paper on the, on the Gospel of John's view of sacraments. Yes, I will share. Don't worry. So you guys go watch football and have fun. I will go take my laptop to guard my loins. God bless you, and have a great week. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.